Let's turn to the scriptures. Um, I realized later that I should have put Acts 9 first because it, it's first in your Bible. So page 1264 in your Bible, there's Acts chapter 9. And then after that, we're going to turn to Ephesians 2. Both of these are in connection with being thankful and fruitful and grateful in your lives. Doing good works. Acts chapter 9. And uh, let's begin at verse 36 of Acts chapter 9. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the, win- all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. Let's turn now to Ephesians chapter 2. In just the first 13 verses of Ephesians 2. Page 1343. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the, hands by, made in the flesh by hands, That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's our scripture reading. Let's now take our confessional reading from the book of praise, page 548, where we have the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 32 of the Heidelberg Catechism under this brand new section called Our Thankfulness, the third part. 
Lord's Day 32. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone, through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by His blood, also renews us by His Holy Spirit to be His image, so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for His benefits, that He may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent, it means unrepenting, walk of life? By no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like shall inherit the kingdom of God. After the sermon, we're going to sing hymn 84. Congregation, loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, why did God send Jesus into the world? Why send Jesus Christ into the world? Maybe you know, go-to answer would be something like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But if you're like me, you sometimes ask another layer for that. You, you, you ask another question behind it. Why did God so love the world? Why send his son? All right, let's change it. Why save sinners? Was God lonely? needed more company in heaven? Why save sinners? Where's this idea of having elect, chosen ones come from? Is it so that God would have the maximum number of people in heaven and he could close the door and say, manage to do it? Why did Jesus come to earth to save sinners, yeah. Why save sinners? Because God never abandoned his plan. He never scrapped his plan to save sinners who would be fruitful, who would do what he created them to do. What anything that exists was created to do is to praise and glorify God. God is saving sinners so that you would know grace upon grace. God created the world that the crowning work of creation would not just be saved and rescued, but that the crowning work, people, would glorify God with all their energy and their joy and their wealth and their time, that all of that wouldn't stick to us, but we would offer it to Him and say, Lord, You are worthy. We fall before You. We worship You. I want you to think about this. Salvation would be an absolute fail 
if God abandoned creation, gave up on planet earth, gave it over to Satan and his demons, and then just magically transported people to some other planet, let this one burn. It would be a fail if God started over with a new heaven somewhere else. Because the whole point of the Bible is from beginning you have a garden of Eden. Right to the last chapter, you know how it ends. A garden city. God did not fail. The whole mandate he had given to man, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion over all creatures, God has not scrapped that plan. He's on it. Christ Jesus did not come just to save sinners. He did not come just to give you a spiritual pulse. No, he, he came to make you unsinners. It's not a word. Unsinners, like righteous. Didn't we hear that this morning? That we would be living for the Lord, trusting in Him. That we would be humble. And I want you to hear this. Thankful. Grateful. Fruitful. How can I be saved? Maybe that occupies your mind because that is such an essential question to ask. How can I be saved? But I want you to Spend some time on another question. How shall I live as someone who is saved? How shall I now live? What should I be doing? And the topic this afternoon, Lord's Day 32, is why do good works? Because we have not forgotten that question. It's been hanging in, for some of us, Who can imagine 52 Lord's Days of the Heidelberg Catechism? Somewhere along the way, my mind is hanging around Lord's Day 23 and 24, which introduced good works. You're not saved by good works. And you're left hanging until finally here, Lord's Day 32, and you're like, gone through the sacraments, you've gone through so much of the Apostles' Creed. You're like, okay, answer the question. Why do good works? And the answer is two words, because Christ. In catechism, the children will know that if you miss these two words, you do not know this answer. Why do good works? You better say because Christ. And if you want to expand on it in your own words, you come up with this. Because Christ isn't finished with you. Because Christ, having saved you, is not finished saving you. Why do good works? Because Christ, who's invested his blood to redeem us, to remove our guilt, is not just going to hand us over to chance and whatever the future is, but he renews us by his spirit, by his blood and spirit. He's rescuing you today from the power, the dominion of Satan and sin. And isn't that what we need? 
The biggest issue of sin is, is this rebellion. Fruitlessness. It's hogging all the gifts of God, the gifts of glory for ourselves. And we're thankless. That's been the problem. Fruitlessness is thanklessness. Fruitlessness is being ungrateful. And you think of so many parables of the Lord Jesus in his ministry. My, my go-to for this would be Luke 13. And it's about a vineyard and there's a tree growing there. There's olive orchards. There's so many examples. Jesus speaking of wheat and soil that's fertile. All the soil and the nutrients, the CO2, the sunshine and rain is meant to produce in, in the world of plants, fruit. But in the world of people, it's thank you. Thank yous going up to God. You are worthy, Lord. That, that has to go up to God. Sin is the opposite. Sin is to take all the gifts of God and hoard them. Absorb them. Money, it's mine. Time, it's mine. Health, energy, my brain power, it's mine. So here is the topic of good works this afternoon. And it's a language from the Bible. Good works. Hopefully it doesn't trip you up because there are works and you know it. We're not perfect. Can you call them good? Because the Bible certainly does. What makes them good? They're going up to God. They're pleasing to God. Not because they're perfect, but because they are the result of a thankful heart. They're productive. They're thankful. It's like singing. It's like praying. It's like obeying. And so we're at this hinge point of the Heidelberg Catechism, and you're going to be like, what are good works anyway? That's such theological language. I, I have no idea why he keeps saying good works. What are the next chunks of the Heidelberg Catechism about? Two major areas of good works. Ten Commandments. You're going to go through that? Those are good works. Pray. Remember the Lord's Prayer? We're going to go through that because praying is a good work. In fact, it's one of the chief ways, one of the most important ways we can be thankful to God is to communicate our thankfulness to Him. So this is what Jesus Christ is going after. Not just saving you as if salvation is some sort of a uh, secret passcode that you, you get texted to you. And when you get to the uh, gates in heaven, you just punch in the code and now you're in. That is not why Christ is saving you, to get you someplace else. He's renewing us in His image so that with our whole life, we may show ourselves thankful to God for His benefits and that He may be praised by us, that we would be people after God's own heart. There's this lady mentioned in the book of Acts, and hopefully you caught on. Why we were reading that, Acts chapter 9, this wonderful lady. I'm sure there are a few here like that. Tabitha, Dorcas. And Acts chapter 9 says she was full of good works and acts of charity. 
In those days she became ill and died. So they called Peter, remember? And all the widows are standing beside and uh, they were weeping and showing the things that she had done. Good works. Tunics. Other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. And God, you know that, that story goes, God raised her back to life and you have to know she was not finished doing good works. Maybe you're not skillful in that way. You have to expand on this because good works, you might think, oh, that means I have to learn how to, you know, knit some tunics or something. In Canadian language, that's knit some toques. God was not finished with her. And her gift happened to be that kind of work. But what about someone who is not well? Someone who is laid up and can't uh, get even, even get out and do things. I really thank the Lord for the grandma I have. Uh, I've known her into her old age. And while she was very unwell, she was still involved in good works. She could hardly move when she died. And uh, she was involved in good works. She prayed. She prayed for her children and her grandchildren often. And I draw your attention to that because you have to expand on what it means for God. Why he has he put you here? Is it to, to always to do the same kind of thing like this lady we meet, Tabitha? As long as there is work to do, Christ is keeping you here. Alive and fruitful and thankful. I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 2 as well, because that's our reading in 2 verse 10, because our catechism is really getting it from uh, its language uh, of grace from here in Ephesians 2. Salvation because of Christ, and so often in Jesus Christ. If If you underlined every time in Ephesians 2, it says in Christ or in Jesus Christ, you would be marking up your Bible a lot. Because all that grace is, is not only to be saved, but to make us alive together with Christ. And raising us up with Him and seating us with Him in the heavenly places. And you get to verse, verse 10, for we are His workmanship. Why are we His workmanship? We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're designed for this. That's what workmanship means. Craftsmanship. He's designed us for one thing. And you, you know, some of you are involved with uh, flowers and plants and gardening and stuff like that. And when you see a plant, you, you can see how it's designed to produce fruit or, or seed. And people, how are they different from animals? How's your voice different from an animal's voice? How about your reasoning? How about your dominion, your creative skills as well? Can you see the design? You're not just humans. You are His workmanship. You're His creation. In Psalm 139, you know, God's made no mistake in designing you. Psalm 139 speaks of God creating you in your mother's womb. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So so let's get this straight. Because you know, in some sense, you're designed in Adam. 
You just trace your DNA back to Noah, and before Noah it was Adam, and you know, okay, I was made as a human being, there's my DNA, and you were created in Adam. Absolutely every single human being was created in Adam, but this language Apostle Paul is using is in Christ Jesus. So the question is, why have you been created in Christ Jesus? And by default, no one is in Christ Jesus. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says you are a new creation. You've had a second birth. Born from above, there's supernatural birth. And here's Ephesians 2 saying, why have you been in Christ? Why are you born in Christ? Don't stop at to be saved. That's too soon. Don't stop there. You are in Christ, not merely, I can't use the word just, you're not merely to be saved not merely to have eternal life, you were born in Christ Jesus to be His workmanship for good works. How can I be saved? Important as that question is, might miss half of what the Bible is saying. How should a saved person like me live? How should someone who's been redeemed, how should someone who is created in Christ Jesus live? Can you see it on me? Is there that DNA of Christ Jesus? Is the spirit of Christ, Christ Jesus in me to do something different? And so much of the Bible, even whole books of the Bible, I think of James, a letter to James, are devoted to this. What has Jesus Christ created me for? Because Christ says, recreated men, women, boys and girls, and, and restored them. We're back on the plan for what paradise was all about. You're recreated to live, to glorify God. So that's the message. Why do good? Because you are Tabitha. You've got a lot to do. Good works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. God prepared these good works for you to walk in them. And I want you to think of, maybe, maybe you've done treasure maps before when you were a kid and you would draw these little dotted lines and show where you had to go. And uh, this is what Christ has done. He has made a treasure map of all of these things that you should be doing to glorify Him. One good work after another. And you know them. One time after the other. Get off your couch. Lay down your life. Think of the needs of one another. Think of bowing, getting down on your knees to pray. One good work at a time. Bringing a meal, bringing a gift, a card or something. God has prepared a whole series of good deeds for your life. So the question is, are you fruitful? Are you fruitful? People around you know. They can tell it. Are you grateful? Because this is what Jesus Christ is after, not only saving you as if you are some notch in His belt, 
of how many people he can save, but he spurs you on. He's motivating you. Think of, think of that illustration, spurring you on, of how a horse has the rider. The rider's given the horse a jab in the flanks, spurring you on. Hebrews 10, verse 24, let us consider how to spur up one another to love and good works. There it is again, good works. Not neglecting to meet together. The point is, the Lord Jesus wants us to glorify His Father, and we don't exist to veg. Right? And then, by the way, the Lord's Day 32 has a few benefits besides. It's laid it out before you. What is Christ after? Why do good works? And you've got these two words, because Christ, and let's, there's, there's more. Maybe we could have more time and unwrap all that, but Christ spurs us on to glorify God. And you get a sense that there's nothing better than the pleasure of God, that, that like the sunshine, Shining at the back of your neck, for me that's a thing. Sunshine on you, you feel the warmth. And so in this way, feel the pleasure of God. And you know, at the end of the line, God greets you. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's a reward in itself, to know you're doing this for pleasing the Lord. You're pleasing the one who has saved you by grace. You could never repay him, but you're, you're saying, Lord, thanks. And the Lord shines favor on you so that you actually get a sense of it. I did the right thing. It's really good that I turned away from evil. Man, I could have been in a lot of mess. And I feel like he loves me. There's more reward than that. There's benefits like, like comfort that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits. Why do good works? Why, why does... Um, Tabitha or Dorcas, why, why was she making these flashy garments? I put all that effort and devotion in there. Partly to know that God is at work in you. That you would know that it's Christ at work in you supernaturally. This is proof. Isn't it wonderful to have proof that you are in Christ? That this would not have happened apart from His glorious work. So you're fruitful as proof that you're tied to the vine, Jesus Christ. And, and there's more. There's, there's all these benefits. Our closing benefit, just to, to wrap things up here, mention the Lord's Day 32, that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus made this point. Why do good works? And Jesus made this point pretty strongly. Why should you do good in such a way that your neighbors could see it? Why should you be obvious about your good works? Yeah, on the one hand, a lot of people do it so that people can praise them for how wonderful they are, and that's a temptation. But, but why do good works? Let your light shine before others, Matthew 5, so that they may see your good works. And, and what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There's all this that God is giving you in Christ. You start out with, why did God send Christ into the world? You say, to save sinners. Yeah, but that's just 
the tip of the iceberg. Why save sinners? Because he wants fruitful sinners that turn from sin. He wants good people. Not generic good people. We slip that word around a lot. Not just generic good works. But he wants proof that you are in Christ Jesus. And he gives his Holy Spirit, he gives you joy and courage and trust in him. That has to come out. And make sure it's public when you do good works. Definitely not for your own pat on the back. But so you also send the message to others that dead people like myself have been raised in Christ. I'm no longer dead. I used to be fruitless. And now I'm fruitful. And how can I do it in hard times? How can I do it even when I'm sad and grieving? How can I? And you're showing others that it's because Christ is doing something supernatural that no human could ever come up with on their own. Doing good like praying and like obeying has to be for God's glory. And this is where Jesus Christ is directing us. I want you to remember this. Jesus Christ did not just save you so that you would be saved. He saved you so that you would be fruitful. That your saved life would be a productive life, a thankful, God-glorifying life. So congregation, way back, Lord's Day 23 and 24, we heard about good works and we're not saved by them. But I really need you to hear this. No one is ever saved without them. You better be fruitful. This is why so much of the scriptures are saying, watch out. You think that you can be saved without being fruitful? No. Be fruitful. And in doing that, you're going to draw on the Lord for His supernatural work. Good works are worked by the Lord who is good. Congregation, trust in the Lord for your good works. Amen.